0: is the sound of the Bradenton Times podcast. I am Mitch Maley and this is Don Kitterman and we are back for another edition after another uh what do you want to call it soap opera week in manatee county oh my god so
1: so tell me did i call you enough times on the phone yesterday
0: i swear you what? have like a lot <laughs> this morning when you called me i was pouring the sugar-free syrup onto my protein pancakes and i was like of course kidderman only calls me while i'm eating it's the only time she calls me i'm always about to put a, a, a meal in my mouth and it's i get the ring
1: so. Well, I made sure to call you enough times yesterday that there was no time to miss me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you, I think you hit two meals yesterday. <laughs> uh, so
1: yeah, it's been a it's been a dramatic week in terms of um, commissioner behavior, I
0: guess. Yeah. So we have updates on three commissioners who are facing some sort of a <laughs> legal or ethical um, charges at this point. So. First news that we broke in a special alert on Thursday. Well, actually we didn't break it because it was it was systematically uh ensured that we did not. Um we we were just behind uh the Bradenton Herald, which seemed to get it directly from uh Commissioner Van Ostenbridge or his attorney. And uh that is the news that Commissioner Van Ostenbridge, who is facing a charge of some sort of larceny theft, um enter a pre-trial intervention program that will allow him to avoid a trial, avoid charges, and get 90 days of probation, have to take an eight-hour class, have to do, what, 25 hours of community service. Or,
1: or he can pay those. It's like 15 bucks per hour. He can okay. He can skip actually doing service, but if he opts for the pay, then the, the $15 per hour goes directly to Crime Stoppers.
0: Well, the, the nice part, though, was uh, I saw one of the comments on the article said, why doesn't he come out to the island and clean trash? <laughs> <laughs> the island, of course, not very happy with him uh, with all that's going on there. Uh, we've got a guest op-ed in uh, this Sunday's edition from uh, Mayor uh, Judy Titsworth at the city of Homes Beach. Um, but that aside, back to the, the issue at hand. So he enters a pretrial diversion uh, or intervention we call it in florida it's, it's called pretrial diversion most other states um but a little bit like uh shady the way this is sort of played out so let's go back you i know that so to fill you guys in we had been planning on reporting we had it on very good authority that the commissioner was going to be charged uh shortly before christmas to the point where because we were coming down to our christmas schedule and we were you know unlimited man hours we actually had started to draft up the article from the information that we were given so that we could you know go with it when it came out uh and then it got really quiet and then it seemed like, well, maybe it's getting too close to the holiday and they're giving him some sort of professional courtesy as a, as a public official and they're not going to arrest him right before Christmas or New Year's and then nothing happened and then crickets and now we hear this, but you've got the 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 sort of inside track on this that uh, really demonstrates how oddly it played out. So why don't you give us like a a, a recap from your perspective?
1: Yeah, it is odd, and, you know, let me start by saying it is assumed by some folks, I guess, that, um, you know, there's only so many sources of information, but I think it's important to remember that, one, you know, for every government entity that's out there, there's thousands of employees who may or may not know and may mention it to a husband who messages it to a co-worker, you know. And when you have something like a commissioner being in trouble For stealing a bougainvillea from one of their own constituents people are going to talk and so back as you said back in mid-december i was hearing from multiple different sources who claimed to have it from different reasons they knew for sure that the state's attorney's office had come to a conclusion that yeah he can he stole this plant and we're gonna have to you know press charges for that um I began submitting public record requests based on that, because though they were telling me, and I believe that it was probably true based on how they were telling me, they knew I had no proof. Sure. Um, so I began submitting public records requests. I, uh, you know, heard repeatedly, sorry, there's no information at this time. There's nothing we can confirm or release. The only thing that was being confirmed to me was there was an investigation. It had been moved from the Braden and police department over to the state's attorney's office. Um, And so, like you said, you know, we waited through uh, Christmas. We waited through New Year's. Uh, The end of the month, I finally actually reached out to the victim and just said, hey, touching base, have you heard anything? Because I've not, and I'm receiving this information from sources. We chatted a little bit, um, and it was more basically a no. I can't confirm anything for you either. I have no paperwork. Um, So that continued to ride out and then I and then it was quiet like you said and then I started hearing again that actually no PTI is coming they're negotiating PTI I started hearing that at the at the end of December so I started records requesting again from the state's attorney's office whatever you got and it's interesting because on January 12th I believe it was after I kept submitting and resubmitting and following up in emails requesting any documentation uh, on or january 12th i receive an official written it's attached as a a pdf i believe it's like a, a letterhead from the state's attorney's office which provides to me the state's attorney's case number for for the case but then goes on to tell me we can neither confirm nor deny because this, whether or not there is a case. And I'm thinking, but you just gave me a case, case number. number. <laughs> Clearly there's a case. And then it goes on to say, you know, that any records associated with this would um, fall under the statute. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exemptions. Um, because it's active. It's an act. either an active, inve- if there is or isn't an investigation, it's probably an active one, so we can't give you anything, basically. So that was on the 12th. Um, and then this week, Wednesday morning, I receive a phone call from one of the previous sources who had spoken to me before and just said, hey, have you heard anything or seen anything? Because I got it on good authority. There's PTI coming um, and, and it should be heading over to the clerk's office here. At some, it should be finalized here soon. Uh, and so I checked the clerk's Website, couldn't find anything. Um, And so I I finally just reached back out to the victim and said, Hey, have you heard anything? Because I'm hearing this. And the victim did confirm to me. I did have a meeting with the state's attorney's office. Originally, I wasn't really down with this idea of PTI. Now, let's
0: explain for the listeners PTI requires the victim to agree to it, correct? They have to consent,
1: right. That is my understanding according to the language in the statute. Yes. Yeah, we looked at that this week. Yes. And so I guess they were originally approached, the the property owners, um, on whether or not they would consent to that, and, and I don't want to speak for them, um, so I don't want to say what their position was on that, that's their own, uh, but they alt- they initially said that they weren't interested in going that route. And, um, but then later what he confirmed to me on Wednesday was yes, actually, uh, you know, end of December, I did agree to that. Um, and, but since that time he said, I've not heard anything else. So I assume it's over that the state attorney, I assume at some point here, I'm going to get actual written. And the reason it was agreed
0: to eventually was uh, the, the state attorney's position that they weren't certain they can get a conviction. They thought this was the best route to go.
1: That is what the victim explained to me was okay. was his understanding of what he alleged was explained to him. Yes, that the, the case may not be, I guess, solid enough or something. Um, so um, he threw me off. So he, uh, at that point then. He hadn't
0: heard anything. Right. He told said, me right. he
1: hadn't heard anything um, that he was anticipating that at some point he had kind of been given a hypothetical of like what PTI would involve. And so he said to me, you know, at some point here, I'm sure I'll be hearing something with, which would specify what the terms of this will be and, and that it's finalized. And I said, okay, great. Uh, and then that evening, (laughs) unexpectedly, my phone rings and it's the property owner again. And I answer the phone and he says, do you have a copy of the PTI have you are the are is it published? Do you have it? The media has it. I said no. Why? And he said, well, because I just got a phone call from the Braden Herald requesting comment on the diversion program stipulations and you know kind of how I felt about that. And I said, and 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 he's like, and I told the Braden Herald this is the first time hearing of it. It's what I told you earlier today is true. I've not seen it. I don't know what the terms are. And he said that at that point, the Herald was able to read to him or tell him what the terms were.
0: Despite the fact that it wasn't made public yet.
1: Right. And, and my understanding of what the victim told me at that time on that phone call was when he asked the reporter of the Braden and Herald or, or stated that he did not have a copy and asked him, do you physically have a copy? The reporter said, yes, I've received it either from Kevin or Kevin's attorney. I don't know which. Um, and so I guess that's why the, the property owner was assuming maybe other people had copy or had access. And so I explained to him, I did not, did not know anything about it. I, he, you know, he was a little bit like, it's kind of weird to me that I'm finding out that this is, you know, going to be signed and whatever from a reporter. I've not spoken to the state attorney's office or heard an update from them, you know, and he's asking me, is that, is that unusual? I'm like, I, I. This is all new stuff to me. It seems odd to me that you would hear about it this way, but I I, I would ask the state attorney's office that question. Um, and so, uh, you know, the following morning, so this would be yesterday, uh, I woke up and based on what I had heard the night before, I immediately sent a records request to the state attorney's office, just kind of re-upping my, if you have anything along these lines, I'd like a copy of the public record, based on the assumption that, you know, what the victim is telling me is he was just informed it was signed that that day, Wednesday, at some point. Um, but I never got a response to my records request. I didn't even get, like, the standard confirmation. Received, yeah. Yes, nothing. And I still haven't. There's still nothing's come through. Um, but what I did went, you know, after the first couple hours of not receiving anything— I just went ahead and requested of the clerk's office if they had any copies that had been sent to them to be published because my understanding is how this stuff works, right? The court records are always posted over to the clerk's site. Mm-hmm. So at the if, if it was accurate, that this paperwork was signed and there was a diversion for a a charge that would have been had it not been for the pretrial intervention, then all of that would need to go to the clerk's office to become public record and be posted on the site. Went to the site, it wasn't there, so I submitted a records request and said, hey, if you've got this. um, And I did receive response from them saying, actually, you know, we've checked our records. It did come in today. However, um, you know, it has to go through processing and redactions and we're going to get up." On the site when we're done with that process, and we can send it over to you when it's ready. Uh, so, when I get it, um, I let the victim know I've got a copy. Um, and I tell him how he can get a copy of his own because at this point he still doesn't have a copy the <laughs> day later. Right. Um, and I then contact you, one of our many phone calls yesterday, and I then, um, you know, we kind of split up the work on that, and I send request for comment. I asked the victim when I spoke to him for any comment, and I send request for comment to Commissioner Van Austin Bridge. And um, I never received, and, and when I sent that request for comment, as you know, there was a land use meeting yesterday, but it was over the lunch break. This was afternoon time at this point. And they were on lunch. So I went ahead and I sent it via text thinking that might be the best way being that they're on yeah, lunch. Sure. And, but I also sent it via email <clears throat> and I got no response. And I don't know exactly how long later, but at some point after that, uh, I receive another call from the victim saying, hey... Um, is it okay to just use, you know, can I, I've, i i got a really busy day. I'd like to give you a comment in time for your work. Um, but I just heard back from the Braden and Herald and, um, their request, they, they reached back out to me asking if I was ready to comment right. on this. And, um, can I just give you essentially the same as I told them, is that okay? I'm like, of course that's okay. And, uh, and then I paused for him and I said, just out of curiosity, did I understand you right to say that the Braden and Herald reached out to you? to ask if you were ready to comment and he said yeah and i said i'm just curious like do you know roughly what time that might have been and he's like yeah it's about uh i don't know 1:30 mm-hmm. well it was about 1:20 when i texted commissioner <laughs> <Ryan> austin Bridge <laughs> to request comment to which he never responded right. to despite not being in the middle of a meeting and um you know and 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 my other understanding from the victim was there was something with the Brayden and Harold story. I guess it originally went to, like it had to get to print quickly or something because it went to print without his comment in it the first time it published, but then was updated to include the victim's comment after mm. the fact. Because the first version I saw, the comment wasn't in there, and then it was later. So it's all very weird. It is. And then the other thing that, you know, and I don't know if this is a clerical thing. There may be some Perfectly reasonable explanation for this. And I've not asked the state's attorney's office. I don't even know who to ask this question of. But I did notice when I did get the copy of the diversion um, program or agreement terms, at the bottom, there is a signed date, date of signature. So there's Commissioner Van Austin Bridges' signature, his attorney's signature, and then it literally says signed on. And that date is January 13th. Well, that's over a week ago. That's the day following that I got the form letter from the state's attorney's office telling me we can either confirm nor deny or, you know. So typically with, with other entities, as you know, listeners may not know this, oftentimes if I submit a record request for something and that document is not ready then or they know it's pending or it needs to finish some sort of you know, process before it can be released. Generally, if the first response is, we can't give that to you at this time, when it becomes available, it kind of gets moved into the queue and they will update you. I mean, sometimes you have to follow up and keep asking, but as much as I had been badgering, (laughs) they knew that I knew something was coming related to this. Um, And I think more than anything, what was really pushing me to keep following up on it, as I'm sure you've seen, Everywhere uh, when our articles are posted on social media, are totally unrelated to anything about this, or you know, on our on our Bradenton Times website, on our reporting, you'll always see these random comments going, "Hey, whatever became of the situation with blah blah blah?" You know, with, mm-hmm. with Van Austin Bridge and the plant, or with the, and so, I knew at least there was some percentage of the public out there who wanted, and I think, I think uh, you know, kind of coming on the heels of how some people were upset how things played out with commissioner George Cruz in the mm-hmm. DUI, not DUI situation. Um, you know, there's, and, and not unfairly. So there, oh, yeah. there's
0: certainly a perception that there's different set of rules for whether or not you're a good old boy in Manatee County or whether or not you're an everyday Joe.
1: Yeah. It, I think that is the perception that, and I think it's a very accurate one.
0: Uh, so the other interesting thing I found in that article, uh, and clearly would show that there was some coordination with it because the Herald's reporting also had the uh, quotes from the apology letter, mm-hmm. which were not available in any of the public records. So we had not seen that. And I don't even know had do you know if the victim had even gotten it by that point?
1: Well, so when I saw the Bradenton Herald reporting- Because hold, hold
0: on, to, to give some context, they quoted the victim and they quoted the apology letter, but at the time they quoted the victim, he hadn't seen the apology letter- Correct. Right. That is, so that's a little bit misleading. That because is my understanding. You're getting his response without a key part of that. Because again, one of the requirements for that pretrial intervention was a very specific apology letter, which you, if you go to our article, we have all the, uh, we always like to link the documents so you can read them and everything. So you can actually read the pretrial intervention agreement.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And And so this is the quote you're referencing. It says, the plant was located... On the southern edge of your lot, near the large drainage ditch, Van Austin Bridge wrote in his letter to the victim, since there is no irrigation on the property, I assumed the plant had been left there to die. Dot, dot, dot. There's something else that follows that. but And so when I saw that, I again turned around and reached out so to that, the victim. So that kind of
0: makes it clear what was going on there, is that I guess the reason why he wanted to try to funnel it to that publication was that he would have the opportunity to frame it in terms of like, and not to say like they went out of their way to make him look good because I don't think he looks good in the article at all. I don't think there's any Um, way to really make it look good. Right, right. But he would at least get to like, Try. he's trying to frame this the whole time of I, I've done absolutely nothing wrong. So even in his apology letter, he says that again. And it's completely inaccurate as you've demonstrated previously. Uh, I believe it was just on social media, but go ahead and speak to that.
1: Yeah, well, and that's something that's concerning to me because I feel fairly confident that other reporters who have reported on this maybe have not been there physically and yeah. been on this property because I have. And and in the beginning, when I first caught wind of this story, again, it came from sources that to be totally clear, this property owner did not reach out to me. I found him. Right. Um, and with, reached with out some digging, to him. Yes, yes with physical out there right trying to put it together, driving around the neighborhood going, There's gotta be an empty lot somewhere. And is there a plant on it, you know?
0: And oh by the way, there's a keep out no trespassing sign. That might be the one.
1: Right. So um but but yeah, it's not to to even look I know that uh you know certain terms are relative, right? Near. What's near? What's sure. far. But to give the impression as though this large, in a nice new pot with top mulch, bougainvillea, was left alongside a ditch is very disingenuous. I don't care what's relative. It was centered on a fence. The fence was on the edge of a paved blacktop and the drainage canal it's not a ditch it's a it's like the canals you see at gt bray park it's large it's a gorge right you know it is more than a probably more than a car car and a half length away behind right this fence.
0: and when dumping there it's going to go into that large ravine it's not going to be up on the highland property see and, and right. to,
1: to be clear standing on the lot you can't you don't even see, it you can't like, see yeah. the
0: bottom of the,
1: I mean, I mean, I guess you can kind of see that there's something, you know, there's a hole there, but you can't see to the bottom of the ditch, just like at GTA. So it was you being presented
0: almost as if, including by Kevin Van bridge's mom, who commented on her original report Well, recording. we don't know if that was her, <laughs> well, but under her email it was her name. name. Oh, was uh, it her yeah. email? I, um, I didn't look at that. The <laughs> Well, we, we see that in the back end. It's not published. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, she'd said, I'd walk the dog out there too. And it's a ditch and and people throw trash down there all the time. And I understand that's why the owner put the tree cams there. And this is silly. Um, so- and I know a little bit about that too, because I had asked, you know,
1: originally my reporting came out and then the Sarasota Herald reported on this story And that was in the Sarasota Herald's reporting about, look, the whole reason the cameras were there is because it's a knowing dumping ground, this and that. So I asked the victim about that when I read that. You know, hey, can you clarify this for me? And I think it was also noted in the police report, maybe, that he had stated that the trail cams were there to curb illegal dumping. And what he told me was, that's kind of being misrepresented what I said was the cameras were put there for this purpose to like, you know, secure the property for illegal dumping, otherwise, any activity, anybody on my property. And he said, in terms of, does it have a history of illegal dumping? He's like, when we bought the property, which I think was in June of 2022, he said in that entire length of time, one time, Somebody, I came out here to do my lawn maintenance and mowing and cleaning up this property, and somebody had left, like, an old entertainment center smack dab in the middle of the lot, and so he had to deal with throwing it away. He's like, but in terms of, like, dumping, that's all I've ever seen in the amount of time I've owned this property, so... Again, so even the idea
0: that ditch was being used for dumping is not true by his account.
1: Oh, I didn't ask him specifically about the ditch, and I never went over and looked down into the ditch because, again, you have to walk kind of
0: off of. So again, the the, the apology letter says basically, "I'm sorry, I rescued a plant that I thought was dying." Which, when you see the plant, it was actually a large in a nice pot, very 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 flowered. Yes, and to recap, the you know kind of the the sad tale of the story is. The property owner is going to. I believe the plans are to relocate his wife's business onto that lot, mm-hmm. and that was sort of like their gift to themselves. When hey, we did it. We bought this lot. Something's going to go there. And it we're going to. It we're was gonna, their first yeah.
1: official. You know, like sticking the flag in the right, ground kind of a right, thing. Right. And then that was going to be. They had plans that it would be planted on the trellis alongside the, yeah. the building when it was erected. Um, going back though to another thing that I saw in that article. That the and Herald put out, which was another direct quote from Mr. Van Austin Bridge, was that he said something to the effect: "This might not be a direct quote because I'm doing it from memory, but it was something to the effect of, you know, I'm happy this will all be over in what is it, 90 days or whatever, and you know that the state's attorney's office recognized this was a big misunderstanding." I think that's disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. Because if they believed it was a big misunderstanding, they would have they would have declined to bring charges well,
0: at all. You know, I think it's obvious that if you're elected public official, uh, it doesn't go well with your brand to also be a thief. And yeah. when you get caught being a thief, and especially when you're somebody who's as you know good at just like obstinately defying reality as some of these people up there uh, in our county government are, uh, you know, your only real choice is just to deny the reality and you know there there's there's something just a special brand of that when you could be like yep i'm on tape i'm kicking the cone out of the way i'm going right but you can see my headlight illuminating (laughs) to keep out no trespassing (laughs) sign uh but nope i didn't steal it didn't steal it didn't steal it you didn't see what you thought you saw
1: (laughs) you know and i caught some some Flack from some folks on social media and in the comment section about why are you reporting on this? Like this is so petty compared to other things going on. Well,
0: we reported all the other things too, but here's the thing that's important is when you have people that talk about things like integrity right. and then stand up there and pompously condescend to so many other people, including the members of the public who come to give comment, roll their eyes, snicker, all those things when people come to to tr- try to assert their you know, role in participating in democracy, I think there is something very, very telling. And, you know, there's a lot of rumored skeletons in the closet for these people that everybody hears about, but maybe, you know, we haven't seen the proof of yet. So when there is kind of a, hey, this is a... This is something that's that's out there writing video uh, indicative of the character of this kind of person. When you think about it, he stole a plant from one of his own constituents.
1: I mean, and I think that's the thing I had to ask
0: myself in following. It sounds awful, so I understand why you have to just be aggressively like, no, you didn't see what your eyes Told you.
1: And, and this is what I had to ask myself in following the story and why I physically...
0: <laughs> why
1: I physically drove to that location um, was because I wanted to know and see for myself. And then I asked myself standing out there, would I reasonably see anything on this property over here and think to myself, I would like to have that thing. Would I think it was appropriate You know, what would my moral compass tell me? And I think, again, what you said about those videos kind of (laughs) show that if it was just merely I'm rescuing this wayward neglected plant I thought was being tossed away, why didn't you take it the first time you were there or the second time you were there? What like? Why did you come back at the dead of night to drive why off with it? it seem like, like you're casing the property before. <laughs> like you, a, yeah. like a bandit, you know. It's just yeah. kind of crazy. But one last thing to to clarify and circle back on because you had asked um, about the victim having co- had they received copy of the apology letter. When I saw that quote in the Bradenton Herald, I did immediately reach back out and said, "Have you have you read the reporting?" Um, do, did you receive the apology letter? Um, and they said, no, I, I've not seen, heard, gotten it. I said, well, it looks like either the and Herald has it or has been dictated parts of what it contains, um, which seems maybe not in keeping, in my opinion, right, with the spirit of what I understood the point of the letter was. It wasn't to put your messaging out to the press, it was to take ownership for what you've done and apologize for
0: it. So yeah, that doesn't seem like it's in his character. So as much as he likes to pompously sit up there as the chair of the Manatee County Commission, you know this, this sort of uh, this sort of blends more with the brand of the. You know, part-time tour guide, former G.T. Bray employee, failed realtor, <laughs> reality of his uh, resume before uh, Carlos Baruf bought him a seat on the county commission so that he could become his personal puppet. Um, but there we go. Kevin Van Austin Bridge, pre-trial intervention to uh, take 90 days probation for stealing a plant. <laughs> Hey. Way to go, Kevin. <laughs>
1: Got another question for you. What's that? Isn't probation a de- like within a division of within a department within Manatee County government? Does this mean no. Kevin will
0: be reporting to? No, it's not underneath. Uh, Are believe, you sure about I, no, that? I believe it's under the Sheriff's Department, but we can look into it. But I believe I don't believe it is. Or I think it's under the State's Attorney or the Sheriff's. I don't believe the constitutional officer for it is the Commission. Hmm. Interesting.
1: I thought that maybe he would be reporting to somebody within, man, I, I thought it was maybe in the Department of Veteran and, and what is it, where Jail Medical would be? I don't because know. the we, probation office. We can look there. into it.
0: I, I, it doesn't matter necessarily if the office is in there. I don't know that that's a hierarchy of uh, administration, though. I see. All right, let's move on to our next commissioner facing criminal charges, Commissioner George Cruz. So he had a hearing this week in which he was trying to get evidence thrown out being the body cam, uh, images or excuse me, recordings. And now this has been reported. I believe one of the TV stations reported it, that it was entirely thrown out, but you watched that hearing and that wasn't your take on it. And the documentation is not available for it. So we had planned on reporting on that in this Sunday's edition. Um, we'll probably have that midweek recap, uh, Friday at the latest, but, What was your understanding that that what? So they're asking that it all got thrown out, but was your understanding that the statements that he made were thrown out because he wasn't read his Miranda rights? Again, another great job by the uh, veteran sheriff's deputy who who came upon this DUI crash or what looked to be a DUI crash. what was your impression? Was it the whole video or was it just the statements that he made?
1: So the reporting you're referencing says that all of the audio of the video has been uh, dismissed, but that the video itself can be shown. My understanding on what I heard now, um, for listeners who don't know, if you attend a court hearing by Zoom, um, you're not allowed to record it, in audio or otherwise. So you you know you got to take notes and listen to what ha- ha- is happening at the time, which is not always easy because there's you know they're doing legal arguments, sure. speaking legalese. But my understanding of what the order was, she did the judge, um, honorable Quartermain, I believe is her name. She did say that with you know per Miranda, anything that or lack of. Anything that Commissioner Cruz said in those moments where Officer Pruitt asks him what happened, and and for everybody who's seen the video, you know that Commissioner Cruz says that he was driving, he swerved, somebody cut him off, he swerved, he jumped a curve and hit the tree. That whole portion where he implicates himself as having been the driver and describes what happened, how he hit the tree. My understanding, that is the portion that cannot be used against him. Again, it was my understanding, I'd really like to get this in written form and check my own math because I'm second-guessing myself based on what I read, another outlet report. Maybe I'm wrong, but I understood her to say that everything else audio-wise in there would not be subject to you know the part of telling the uh, suspect anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law, right? So he wasn't given that notice that what he was saying was going to be used against him because he wasn't technically under investigation for crime. And as we hear later in the audio, you hear Pruitt tell his wife, look, I know he's drunk uh, or something. And the only reason I'm not pursuing that is because there's nobody who can put him behind the wheel now. In that moment, Pruitt apparently did not know that there was 911 recording right. that puts him behind the wheel. Yeah,
0: that, that was very, very poorly <laughs> executed. And we've spoken to several attorneys who reviewed it and showed us, you know, look, this is going to make it much more easily to defend because the cop didn't do his job.
1: So my understanding is all of that stuff.
0: So the conversation between you know Miss Cruz and there's there's one other important thing to note here. Uh, the law requires the cop. At the point when he starts questioning them to literally say, I'm switching hats at this point, And this is a, now I'm conducting an investigation, right? So you, you can be responding to a crash and servicing a situation in need. But the moment that you start investigating the p- possibilities of crime, you have to assert to the person that this is now an investigation. And that is very, very routine. Every police officer knows that every stop, especially somebody who's got, you know, I think decades in the field this guy had. Um, So there was a massive ball drop there. And then the other thing the attorneys all said was you would never just assume there's no witnesses if you weren't there when the crash happened. Who knows how many witnesses there were? How who knows if you haven't again conducted an investigation? Why on earth would you allow somebody to go home? Why on earth would you allow somebody to you know leave the scene? Any of those things? Uh, so so really 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 poor job in terms of the investigation done. But at the end of the day, despite how awful that was handled, you still have. This video where you see this guy who, you know, is so demonstrably inebriated. Uh,
1: My yeah. other understanding is, is that, um, you know, everything that was picked up by that, it wasn't OnStar, I can't remember what, the, but essentially it's, it's, it's the, an OnStar. Yeah, it was
0: Ford's version of, <clears throat> of OnStar. OnStar's right, everything motor.
1: that was picked up by that uh, in on the 911 dispatch recordings, all of that is admissible because there were no police on the scene at the time. There you know, that's just a conversation with emergency respondents uh responders. Yes. And and you know, I'm pretty sure that from my research on this so where OnStar is kind of built into your car, which this may be different now, but back when it came out, it was built into your car. So if you got into an accident and, and OnStar connected you with 911, those people would be speaking to you through a speaker, yes. an audio device in your car. This system that was on the Ford F-150 actually connects through Bluetooth mm. and was going to his through his phone, mm. not coming through the truck. So that is why in that 911 audio, you can hear... The moment where Miss Cruz shows up and says, hey, get out of the car, come with me. And then you also hear later on, you hear like shuffling around. I'm pretty sure that's his phone in his pocket or something. And then you hear later on her say to him, instruct him, no, 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 get in the back. Right. And I think at that point, they aren't even in the truck anymore. They're right. over at her vehicle. Her vehicle yeah. and, and per the 911 or per the body cam footage, that is one of the things that is said at one point that, uh, you know, I think Pruitt says it to the other officer who comes on the scene. Uh, I can't remember that gentleman's name, but he says, you know, I can't, I can't verify. I, I, I have no way to, to, to verify that he was behind the wheel and driving this because when I showed up, he was in the back seat of his wife's car. Well, there is a recording of the moment where she specifically puts him right, in the right. back seat of her car. Um, and my understanding from what I heard in the hearing room on Tuesday, all of it, it doesn't her order doesn't touch any of that stuff. And, and so what I would like to see, I want to get the order, like you said, you know, the written order on paper and read it for myself to be sure that I understood. But I understood that what we should anticipate in the trial, if it does go forward into trial, would be that any portion of that body cam footage can be shown, but at the point at which... George would be implicating himself in a crime in any way by saying, I was driving, I did this, I did, that part would be muted. But we would still be able to see the video of it, of what, you know, what everybody looked like and kind of how they were responding. And then all the other audio on any of that body cam, the conversation between the officers, conversation with Miss Cruz, any of that, Mrs. Cruz, uh, would be admissible, is my understanding. So we'll see. How good my understanding is when this comes out in writing next week and i have to write a big article going i
0: had it all wrong folks <laughs> well as we've seen um justice in manatee county is as rare as snow <laughs> but uh we'll see how this turns out now let's turn to the other county commissioner who's in hot water which is vanessa baugh who of course is in trouble for vaccine gate um which was her role in directing county staff to subvert the uh the actual ordinance passed by county commissioners in terms of what the covid protocol would be which is a random lottery and again we're going back to when it, when the vaccines were only available for people over 65, and I think maybe some special medical needs at that time. So very rare, very difficult to get. Everybody was lining up. And rather than use that random lottery uh, for this hop-up vaccine site that the governor was doing in one of the Lakewood Ranch subdivisions um, was to say, hey, we're going to limit it to just two zip codes, which happened to be in my district. They, word got out, uh, also on top of it, she had five people that weren't even going to go into the lottery that were just going to get the vaccine herself among them. Uh, she that,
1: claims they were supposed to go into the lottery, but which is weird because it, at least it, one of those people didn't even live yeah, in a zip code. It
0: doesn't look like that. <laughs> um, nevertheless, uh, and she did not take the vaccine that she constantly points out because it became public before it actually happened. Um, I guess <laughs> you kind of can at that point. Uh, but you know, she talked about how the truth will all come out. My name will totally be cleared, but instead she ultimately said, Hey, I'd like to try to like cut a deal and settle and, you know, uh, be something less than totally cleared. So let's give a good (laughs) for Commissioner Baugh. Now she is going to, a lot of people didn't understand the settlement still has to be accepted. Correct. So that's where we're at now. And what's the latest update on that?
1: So that hearing, that uh, ethics commission hearing where her case is on the agenda for that vote. So the commission will be voting Uh, whether or not they agree to this settlement. So just because the state advocate agreed to the terms does not mean that it's a done deal on the other end. It could be, but it might not be. And
0: and one interesting case with that would be Superintendent Cynthia Saunders from Manatee County Public Schools had... uh, one rejected with prejudice from the commission when she tried I did not know that yeah yeah we had full reporting on that i think we linked to it one of the stories but that was one in which with the great inflation scandal so she ultimately had to uh face a much stiffer penalty than she had offered and what the advocate had agreed to they mm-hmm. took it to the commission and it was harshly rejected with some very very um stiff terminology which is not uh, not really common. Like the, the ethics commission is not a, and it's unfortunate that there are so many things without recall and different things that, that, you know, a constitutional county just doesn't have at its disposal. It's unfortunate that too often public officials act in a horrendous manner. And if they're a Republican, they're not going to be removed by the Republican governor in almost any circumstance we've seen, uh, through multiple Republican governors now, um, um, the only recourse to the citizenry is to file a complaint with the Ethics Commission. And the Ethics Commission isn't really a great vehicle for that. It's not really set up to be the oversight of all public officials. And there are, you know uh, they tend to be a little understanding toward public officials. And so to have that happen, and even escalate as far as it is, you genuinely have to do something pretty objectionable. Uh, I really think this qualifies and, um, they, they very well could. So
1: I, I, well, and we published the, um, the probable cause hearing and the discussion around this issue, uh, with the ethics commission. I can't remember when that and if, and anybody who wants to go back and listen to that, uh, you should be able to just use the search bar on the Mm -hmm. website and type in probable cause ball." it should come up. Um, but the audio is there. And if you listen to that discussion, I mean, it it's it's a pretty good discussion. there yeah. were there were very good points raised on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, um, which it, you' come away with a pretty good understanding I felt like of why they voted that there was probable cause that she violated ethics. you know they' they it's not vague um, where they were coming from or how they reached that decision. So it will be interesting. And, and, and that's a great point that you're making. I was unaware of, of that, those specifics with, um, superintendent Saunders and a settlement that she had, but that is true that the ethics commission will have multiple, uh, like they could, they could, uh, say, no, it should, there should be more severe penalties, they could say, no, we don't agree to this settlement at all. And in fact, we want it to go to trial because we actually want to hear, you know, what you had said about Commissioner Baugh, the truth will all come out. They may want to say, actually, we want to hear from everybody. We want to know as much as we can know about what exactly happened here. Um, and in fact, that is what their determination was. And I can't remember the gentleman's name. There was a, wasn't it a, he's retired now. Uh, was he a senator or something? probably shouldn't even be speaking to this because i cannot think of the gentleman's name at this point but he had gotten in trouble there were ethics complaint filed for inappropriate behavior of a sexual nature um he also oh yeah
0: jack latvilla
1: yes and he also ended up with a settlement agreement mm-hmm. with this i think actually it was the same exact advocate that vanessa ball has mm-hmm. um, but when he went back before the commission they said, "No dice. We believe there's probable cause here, and we would like to see this go to a trial. So go back to the drawing board." And I, so I don't know if that would it be called a trial or a hearing. I mean, there's witnesses and everything, right? But so, I,
0: I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it might still be called a hearing. Yeah, but because it's, it's not it's a criminal conducted kind of like a trial, right? Um, so yeah, a lot, lot to go on there. But to wrap things up here, we've just spent 45 minutes recapping. Three of your seven county commissioners who are in hot water for really bad behavior. You know,
1: somebody said in the comments, I don't know if you noticed, I don't even remember what story it might have been on the the Van Austin Bridge report, but somebody said in the comments, well, three out of seven, I mean, it's not a majority. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, not looking great in Manatee County. And when you look at, you know, we had a lot of commentary on the work session from Tuesday. And when you look at all these things that uh, aren't getting done, um, or, or getting done at the last minute, and maybe getting done with very little commissioner input, and maybe a lot of machinations behind the scenes from the new uh, administration, this is kind of why, when you end up with stooges in place, when you end up with bought and paid for you know, puppetry boards that special interests just flood the box with money, and then close off part of the uh, elect- electorate, and say you're not going to have a voice in this representation. This is what you wind up with. And when you have, you know, too much voter apathy, I know that I'm not. I'm not speaking to those people because if you're listening, you're not among them. But this is this is where we're at in Manatee County.
1: Hey, uh, real quick before we go, too, I wanted to tell you. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the next meeting agenda has posted. Actually, it was supposed to be a January 24th meeting. It's been pushed to January 31st. But that meeting agenda has both items the confederate monument for a vote and the petland correct correct yeah so that's
0: january 31st mark it in your calendar petland and the confederate monument which we've been covering closely both of those issues uh, in my column you know beware of weapons of mass distraction uh it's unfortunate because i know that there are so many people passionate about both of these issues but this is sort of the tactic from my perspective is that we're going to bring up Red meat, we're gonna bring up some bread and circus and we're gonna get everybody just fighting back and forth on this. And then you're not gonna see what we're pushing in and out the back door while no one's seeing. So pay very close attention to consent agendas right now, pay very close attention to issues that get little to no discussion and go quickly to a vote because I really think this is uh, what the tactic being used is, is let's let's sort of use this misdirection and you know wave the one hand and say, don't look over here, yeah. whatever you do. <laughs> So uh, you can count on the Bradenton Times to continue to make every effort. And I got to tell you, we're, we're so overwhelmed right now. There are more stories than we could possibly cover. I wish we could be taking deeper dives into more issues and more. Uh, we appreciate all the news tips that we get. Um, we're trying to run down everything that we can, uh, but we're paper-limited resources. To that end, if you can go ahead and and you know, go to our website and click on that, subscribe, do a voluntary $7 a month subscription. You would be doing a lot to help us continue to bring you fact-based news and analysis without an agenda. For Don Ketterman, I am Mitch Maley. This has been the Bradenton Times podcast, and we'll see you next week.